Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Therapeutic Conversations, a three-part podcast series on the practice of family law in Singapore. Through this series of conversations with panelists from the family law ecosystem, we hope to offer you information and insights on family law practice and developing thought leadership in this area of law. Welcome everyone to the second episode of our podcast series. We will be discussing the topic, Aspirations of a Family Law Practitioner, What Will My Future Look Like? My name is Wen Yi and I'm a partner in the Family and Divorce Practice Group at Harry Elias Partnership. I will be facilitating our conversation today. The family justice ecosystem has been going through a lot of changes in the past decade, so we thought it would be interesting to invite lawyers from different generations to share their thoughts and experiences and how family practice has evolved over the years. We are privileged to have three speakers from different generations who are called to the bar more than 30 years apart. They are Ms. Lo Wai Mui, Mr. Ivan Xiong, and Ms. Shannon Chua. Let me tell you a bit more about them. First off, we have Wai Mui, who is the most senior member of our panel today. She was called to the bar in 1985 and has been in practice for 38 years. She is the managing partner of B. Lee and & Lee and is a partner in the firm's matrimonial and family practice. Hi, thanks for having me. Next, we have Ivan, who was called to the bar in 2008 and has been in practice for 15 years. He is a partner and head of the Divorce and Family Team of Withers Worldwide in Singapore. Hello everyone, glad to be here. And rounding off our panel today is Shannon, our youngest panellist, who was called to the bar in 2017 and has been in practice for six years. She is an Associate Director at Calco Law. Hi everyone, I'm honoured to be here today. Waimui, as our most senior panellist, perhaps you could kick off the discussion by sharing with everyone your perspectives on how the evolution of family law practice has affected you or your practice. I'm not the most senior practitioner of family law at the bar. Believe me, they are more senior than me. What does that tell you? Being a family law is a good thing because a family lawyer has a long shelf life. This is an area of law where life experience counts. As long as there are people, family law will exist. You will never run out of work. Practice has of course changed over time. Divorces in the old days used to be heard in the high court. The same judge hearing the family cases moved from hearing the divorce through to hearing the ancillary matters all in the same sitting. In the old days, it's not uncommon for the High Court judges to meet lawyers in chambers after the hearing. I remember one particular judge, the late Justice Lai Kiu Chai, who always took the trouble to talk to lawyers, especially young ones, to get to know them better. As a young lawyer at that time, it encouraged me a lot to know that there is a judge out there who is interested to find out how I was faring. The bench and bar interactions was a good thing. In family law, I have the privilege of seeing my clients grow older and the children too. Some children have come back to me as clients or just to talk. I have learned more about the child caught in the divorce issues through these people. Family law is the one area of practice that allows you to help the old and the young. 
As a child representative, I see young children. I am their lawyer. I try to give them the voice they deserve. I also see their parents. Sadly, I sit on the tribunal for the maintenance of parents. And I also see the pains that have gone through families broken up by circumstances and how they end up in court in their golden years. So you really get to see the entire spectrum of life. Thanks for sharing, Waimui. It's interesting that you mentioned that family lawyers have a long shelf life because it seems to me that a lot of young lawyers nowadays don't wish to specialise in family law because they feel it's not as lucrative as other areas of law. Shannon, perhaps you could share with us why you decided to practice family law? Well, before I started practice, I spoke to uh, seniors to find out what areas of law specialisation I could go into in the future. For lawyers starting out their practice, I would say that money is definitely an important factor. Emotional burnout is also one of the biggest factors that have led to a lot of my batchmates leaving practice or uh, even staying away from family law altogether. We see a lot of tears, a lot of sufferings. For me personally, I see that family lawyers are really placed in situations, unique positions to make a real difference in our clients' lives, to bring about peace to bring about clarity in that process. Why I do family law is really grounded on my beliefs, on my faith as a Christian. Um, and if I could put it that way, I would see it as a calling. Thanks for sharing that, Shannon. Now, Ivan, I know that unlike Shannon, you actually started off doing general litigation before you specialised in family law. Would you advise young lawyers today to start off with a broader area of practice like you did or to specialise immediately like Shannon did? Thanks, Wani. Well, I think that's a very good question. Generally speaking, I would advise young lawyers who are starting out in uh, the practice of law to look at areas like general litigation and perhaps even consider some corporate advisory work. Starting off with a broader practice really equips the younger lawyers with different skills and knowledge. You have greater flexibility and you get the kind of experience in various matters. And in doing so, they will get to decide which area of practice you have a greater interest or affinity to. So for myself, having started off doing a mix of family, civil litigation and corporate advisory work, I found that the diversity of work was very interesting. It was also able to help me bring a different view to my cases when I was practicing for family law. I think starting out also from a broader area of our practice would also give the younger lawyer more options and gives them more exposure and what I would say is probably a more rounded experience. But certainly do specialise at the outset. If it is clear to you that, for example, family law is your passion and interest, because by doing so, what uh, actually happens is that you get that kind of specialist knowledge and experience. You become more established in your field compared to, well, for example, peers who have started out on a general basis. I myself never thought that I would practice family law at the start. Uh, I was assigned cases as a junior lawyer, and I always had that, you know, a preconceived notion to say that family law is, as Shannon mentioned, one which brings a lot of pain. I couldn't even envisage myself in a, a situation where I'll be able to help my clients. But when I started handling those family cases, I found that what I was doing was actually very meaningful. And you realize that you're actually having an impact on uh, your client's life. So at the end of the day, go ahead, specialize if that's your passion. 
Thanks for that, Ivan. I think the young lawyers tuning in will really appreciate that advice. Shannon, you mentioned earlier that you feel that family law was your calling. So it sounds to me like maybe you started off a bit idealistic. How has the reality of your experience and practice differed from your expectations when you first started? Do you think you would have done anything differently? Well, to be frank, it was actually the opposite. I had very low expectations of practice going in because you hear about the hard work, the difficult journeys that lawyers go through, the long hours. I think what surprised me was the fact that I actually found myself being able to enjoy the work. We could see the tangible impact that it had on clients' lives and it allowed me to keep going. I think something that I would have um, done differently would be to remind myself also that all things should be held in balance. Hard work, long hours are definitely important in order to hone one's legal skills, to build up that knowledge base that would allow you to, to serve your clients better. I would have reminded myself really that to prioritise family, prioritise health and loved ones around me as well because it's definitely important, as we mentioned, that family lawyers have a long shelf life. It's important to care for ourselves so that we can also help clients better in the long run. Thanks, Shannon. Waimui, you've been in practice for 38 years. Have you ever thought of quitting? And what made you stay? Of course. <laughs> when I lost my first application, I think it was further and better particulars. I thought of quitting. Well, I didn't. Then when I asked one question too many during cross-examination and impaired my own client's case, I thought of quitting. I'm not good enough. Well, over the years, I've learned to be kinder to myself, to do my best, and really let the judge do the rest. We each have our own jobs. The workload doesn't get better or lighter over the years, but it gets easier with practice. What works and what doesn't work will come to you naturally after a while. Learning to read the court better, to answer questions more succinctly, not to irritate the judge. Oh, that's a very important skill. I sort of sensed that I was moving in the right direction when I had the opportunity of being asked by a certain lady judge who is now a judge of appeal. She actually, in the course of a hearing, asked me for my thoughts. And I thought, wow, since when has a judge ever asked me what I thought? That was in the early 2000s. I was a single lawyer up against a team of lawyers, including a senior counsel whose name I should not mention, but whose long shadow and sends shivers down the spine of many lawyers. The lady judge asked me whether she should interview two children, both about five years old. And she asked me what I thought. I gave my thoughts. And it chuffed me to no end when she agreed with me. For today, I'm sure we all know we have judicial interviews. That is an area that needs careful management in the development, but is happy for me to know that I have played a part in building up family law. Thanks for sharing the anecdote, Waimui. Ivan, how about you? 15 years in practice is no mean feat either. Were there any particularly difficult cases or incidents that made you feel like living practice? 
There was one incident which came to mind, which is probably the closest call. I think that was the first time I actually ever received an official complaint, which was lodged uh, by the other party in, in the proceedings. In this case, the other party was the wife. Uh, I was acting for the husband. The wife, without going to too much details, was not complying with certain access orders, which had already been made. And so, of course, my client, uh, the husband, was very frustrated. So as part of the process, we did have to serve what's known you know, as a court endorsed, basically informing or warning the wife that you know she can be subject to enforcement action if she continues to breach the access orders. The wife was very unhappy and she made an official complaint saying that oh, we had falsified orders of court by adding a penal notice which was not part of the original order. Uh, all these allegations were false, we were cleared. It made me wonder as a junior lawyer, is this what family practice is like? And I think what helped to reorientate me or reassure me First and foremost is having a very good support system as well as supportive colleagues. And I remember what the senior partner said to me. He said, that, oh, take it as a badge of honour as long as it's not your client who's the one who's lodging a complaint against you. I never felt or thought about quitting is that I enjoy what I do. I think as, as Waimui said, uh, really have an impact in terms of people's life. My own personal ethos is that I'm not a quitter. So, you know, if people tell me quit, I would rather just hang in there and stay on. Thanks for sharing, Ivan. It's good to know that you've never thought about quitting in practice. I think as family lawyers, one major aspect of our work is client management. Have you all noticed a difference in the way that you have had to manage clients over time? Because I imagine that clients nowadays are a lot savvier, they have their own access to legal knowledge. Do you find that maybe they've become a bit more demanding over the years? This is an open question, but perhaps Shannon, you could go first. Well, I think changes in technology have definitely led to increased access to justice for people. So clients have now more access to legal cases. They may share their experiences with each other. And there are more things that clients are aware of um, and would request to be done in certain ways. So for example, I find for myself that the primary mode of correspondence with client has shifted. We do have cases where we set up WhatsApp group chats with my team, with the client, in order to give them updates on their cases and even some of our, our clients, we do communicate with them over Telegram because it's more encrypted. And it may be easier for us to send out a note of advice through WhatsApp than over email. But some clients may expect a faster response time because of that. And for us moving forward, it would really be about learning to manage our emotional boundaries, putting in place safeguards to make sure that um, we keep watch over our emotional health as well. Thanks for that, Shannon. Ivan, what do you think about that? And I agree with what Shanna has, has actually mentioned, that clients are generally more well-informed these days. We're hearing the event of AI, chat GPT. And what this really means is that the pace of practice is much faster. Clients are more connected and they would like a quicker response than when I first started practice about 15 years ago. So... As lawyers, I, I feel that we need to move and adapt with the times. Well, I like Shannon, I'm still a bit traditional in the sense that email still remains my preferred mode of uh, communication. And the reason being it's fast, it's effective, it keeps the client and everyone and the team in the loop. However, I also do engage with clients on other social media and instant messaging platforms where necessary. But I also agree, it's really important for us to be able to set some ground rules and boundaries. 
we need to have a balance between work and personal life. So as an example for myself, I don't entertain calls from clients on weekends unless it's urgent and I do specify what is urgent. So for example, things like being served with divorce papers, no, that's not urgent. But, you know, if there's a threat to, you know, remove children from their primary residence, that is, of course, urgent. So I think it's important uh, to manage clients' expectations in relation to communication. Uh, quick turnaround time for work and service standards does not mean that the family lawyer does not have any life. I think also apart from communication, we need to understand that clients are more inclined to question advice. They could have read the judgment of the internet or they've could have talked to friends or they could have received the information and they might say, oh, do you know this case of the, the internet? I read that homemaker wife received 50% of the assets. Why can't I get 50% of the assets? And then you would have to explain and take them through to say, oh, you know, it depends on the facts of the case, like the length of the marriage, whether they're children, the contributions which are made. Yes, family lawyers these days, we need to be ready to answer these questions quickly and to be able to anticipate clients' uh, needs. Thanks, Ivan. I find that a lot of young lawyers do struggle with being able to get clients to accept their advice because, like you mentioned, clients will challenge and question your advice. Why, given your seniority, I would assume that whatever you say goes with your client. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I wish that's the case sometimes. But no. You know, every client who walks through the door actually walks in with Mr. Google. He is able to search for himself, check for himself, uh, get advice, second opinions from other lawyers too. What has changed over the years for me, it's probably my ability to explain to the client the law in simple terms and prepare the client better for the way forward. What is very important is to set boundaries, like someone mentioned earlier. There are clients who hire lawyers and use them as if they are hired guns. In my years of practice, I've had a client who wanted me to give, in his words, as much grief as possible to the other side. It takes a lot when you're younger to refuse work. But I think at the end of the day, you must have your moral compass you must know what is integrity. You must stick to it. Turning away work is the better option than doing something which you know is wrong and you know is to achieve an ulterior motive. So sometimes I've had instances where I have to tell a client, sorry, it looks like we can no longer work together. Perhaps you will find a lawyer, a better lawyer in someone else. Perhaps our styles don't match. So it's not true. Not everybody listens to me all the time. Thanks for sharing, Waimui. Okay, I have one last question for all our speakers. Do you have any words of encouragement for aspiring family law practitioners? Waimui, perhaps you could get us started? Family law is an interesting area. Let me tell a story. Some years ago, I think it was early years in my practice, I was having a hearing before... Of course, at that time, High Court judge. And the issue was whether a settlement had been arrived at uh, during a case conference before the registrar. My opponent was a senior family practitioner and I took over the file from another law firm. To my great surprise, the judge looked at us and said to the senior lawyer, why don't you just call the registrar? And lo and behold, 
Within the hour, the registrar appeared and I had to cross-examine the registrar. Well, I'm only glad that the judge agreed with me that there was no settlement. And the case went on. It was a bitter case. We fought to the end and of course there was an outcome. Fast forward two years down the road, the client called me one morning from Hong Kong and said, Hey, Wai Mui, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, what's the problem? Is it okay if I remarry my ex-wife? I can only remember bursting out in laughter and saying, of course you can do what you want to do. So the practice of law, family law in particular, has its moments of surprise, sheer fear and delight. That's good advice. Ivan, how about you? So my advice would be basically work hard, but play hard too. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because you will. And what is more important is that you should learn from those mistakes. As family lawyers, we should never lose sight of your personal why, why you decided to practice family law in the first place, because that is the motivating factor which will keep you going through the rigors of practice. And it will determine whether you stay in practice for 5 years, 15 years or 38 years and more. Thanks for that, Ivan. Shannon, do you have any words of encouragement? I would say don't be afraid to ask. If you encounter any issues, don't be afraid to sound out. And if you feel overwhelmed, don't be afraid to tell someone because when we ask, when we sound out, that's how we all grow and learn. Thanks for that. I think we can all agree that family law is constantly shifting and evolving. And that's one aspect of what makes family practice so exciting for all of us. With that, we'll bring this conversation to a close. Thank you everyone for all the insights and anecdotes that you have shared. I hope we have inspired more young lawyers to join family practice from our conversation today. Please tune in for the next episode. We hope that this episode has enabled you to have a glimpse into what family practice entails and provided you with invaluable words of advice along the way. The next and final episode will focus on advocacy in the therapeutic justice landscape with our guests delving in to discuss a challenging and highly contested child custody case in Singapore.